Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up here in a mere mere matter of moments, we have a very special partner profile for you. We're going to talk to Dr. Julio Delgado, uh, Chief Medical Officer and Director of Labs for ARUP, one of our great, great partners here on The Zone Sports Network. And, Gordo, uh, usually we kind of work with the blood uh, arm or, or division, I guess, of ARUP, where our listeners come and donate, and they're so generous, and it's it's always one of our very favorite remotes. But their labs have been at the forefront of, of testing and, and battling this coronavirus, so very uh, excited to talk to Dr. Delgado. Yes, he, he knows a little more than we do. Yes, yes, he does. So, you know, in, in our efforts here on the big show and really across the Zone Sports Network on all of our shows, we're, we're doing our best, Gordon. We talked a bit about this today before the show, doing our best to, to talk sports and to have fun and be a little bit of a distraction, but also, you know, responsibly inform our listeners on, on the latest and certainly to, uh, to help our partners in the community, whether that's Jeff Miller, our friend with Mark Miller Subaru, who is certainly our friends with ARUP. Yeah, and uh, a guy like Dr. Delgado, he, he, he knows what's going on. He can answer questions about testing, about all that stuff. So let's get to him. Yep, let's do it. Austin, let's hit that open. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, the chief medical officer and director of labs for ARUP Labs. He is Dr. Julio Delgado with us here on the big show. First and foremost, uh, Dr. Delgado, thanks very much for a few minutes. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. You bet. And I've, I've got to say, Gordon and I were just talking about this. You know, you've been a partner of ours here on the station ARUP has for a long, long time. And usually we're, we're working with uh, your blood collection centers and getting our listeners to donate. But I've got to tell you how proud I've been to be associated even loosely with ARUP during this whole thing. You, you, you all have done such wonderful things for our community. And I just wanted to say thank you before we get started. Well, thank you for your kind words, and uh, this is the work of a lot of people here in my lab. So, Doctor, uh, I'm curious to know, in just sort of a general sense, what type of things uh, ARUP is doing uh, to help us through this uh, this coronavirus era? Yeah, so about seven weeks ago, we started the testing for the diagnosis of the disease, the infection. Um, this is done by molecular testing. So that was about, uh, yeah, yeah, seven weeks ago. So since that time, uh, we have tested over close to 45,000 wow. uh, individuals in Utah, of which we have identified over 2,300 positive, which is close to 60% of all the positives that uh, have been identified in the state of Utah. The 45,000 is also close to 50% of all the testing that have been done in Utah also for the, for the infection. So we have been very, very happy to um, uh, be focused on the city of Utah. Obviously, we're a Utah, um, University of Utah laboratory, so really, really belong to the city of Utah. So we're very happy to keep doing that. At the national level, we also have been testing, um, not as many, uh, because we decided to focus primarily on Utah. 
but we've done over, uh, I would say, over 15 to or close to 20,000 tests for for national um, hospitals in the country. In the last couple of weeks, uh, we have we started to work on the antibody test. This is the the test that everybody's talking on the news. The test that will uh, allow us to understand if people have developed immunity or protection against a second infection. And uh, just uh, last Friday, I believe, uh, we um, went live for um, all the country. I mean, so now we're receiving tests from all over the United States. We have a lot of capacity for these tests. We've built up instrumentation and we'll, uh, we've built all the logistics to run about 25,000 of these tests uh, on a daily basis. So we're very, very happy that we're going to be able to help not only the state of Utah, but also the whole nation with these important tests. Doctor, has it been very difficult? Uh, you mentioned the capacity and what you've already done, and all that sounds so amazing. Was it very difficult to pivot from your normal day-to-day at ARUP to handling uh, these sorts of things? Well, it wasn't difficult for us to pivot. Uh, what was difficult is to um, um, keep a, a continuous uh, supply chain. We uh, typically, on a daily basis, we process between 65,000 and 70,000 specimens from all over the country. So um, we were ready uh, from day one and and start testing. But as you probably heard, uh, this is probably two months ago, it was very difficult to get all the uh, elements needed to collect the sample, but also run the test. Every laboratory in the country and Basically, in the world, we're competing for the same uh, suppliers, and it was very, very difficult to get um, all the things ready so you could have uh, capacity. We started with a uh, capacity of about 2,000 tests a day, but we could only do maybe a couple hundred in the first week. So that was very, very uh, depressing from the point of view of not being able to serve everybody that we knew needed to test. But over time, the supply chain has improved. And now uh, we're able to offer about 5,000 tests uh, for the diagnosis, and as I mentioned, about 25,000 for the antibody tests. So my math isn't very good. You gave the number of tests that you had uh, administered and then the number of people who tested positive. What is that percentage point? Yeah, so instead of Utah, and this is, um, uh, you know, uh, counting all the testing that is done by Intermountain, but also by Test Utah Initiative. I think we have identified uh, close to 4,000. Um, um, and I think, um, uh, I will say 4,500 was the last number. And I think we've reached close to 90,000 and close to 100,000. So that gives you about a 4.55% um, uh, positive rate, which is quite low compared to other states in the country. I think uh, Utahns have done a great job uh, following the recommendation from the health authorities and obviously everything that the government of Utah has done to try to um, keep the uh, rate of infection very low in the state of Utah. Who should come see you, doctor? Uh, who needs to be tested? So for the respiratory test today, I think uh, we still like to test people who are symptomatic. And I think yesterday was a, uh, an addition of the symptoms um, by the CDC of people who could potentially be tested uh, uh, for, the, for the diagnostic test. So it's not only people with fever, with uh, cough, and uh, with uh, respiratory symptoms like failure. I think now it's people with sore throat, with chills, and you know, other symptoms that might be also associated with COVID-19 disease. For the antibody test, I think um, at this point, um, I think it would be very useful 
to test everybody who have believed has COVID-19 at the time when it was very difficult to test because there were not enough tests available. And uh, I heard a lot of people saying that they, they had one of the worst uh, flus in their life during that time, but they, they decided to stay at home because they felt like it was safer for them to, to do that, and also because they knew that uh, testing was not available. I think those individuals should uh, contact their healthcare provider and talk to them about those symptoms that they experienced during that time and see if they qualify for testing. Um, we also like to see, um, and I think this is important to know that uh, we're gonna be doing a study. Um, we're gonna be testing a lot of people across the state of Utah. This is a study uh, done in collaboration with the uh, University of Utah, uh, which is funded by the um, um, government of uh, Utah. So we'll be testing, we're gonna be testing about 12,500 individuals across all the counties in Salt Lake City and the state of Utah to try to identify what is the uh, true serial prevalence of the, of the infection. How many people have really become infected? This will allow us to identify, like I said, how many people, but also um, follow up some of those individuals and see if this antibody can uh, persist in these uh, individuals that we have going to identify in this study. Dr. Delgado, is there anything that we here at The Zone or any of our listeners can do to help support uh, you folks at ARUP and what you are doing? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, people have heard about the possibility of donating plasma, especially people who have had the disease. So we're testing, and part of the, um, the uses of this antibody test is to identify people with antibodies. I think we have ways to identify the individuals at the highest levels of antibodies, which will be the best potential donors for uh, people with severe um, uh, COVID-19 disease. Uh, that um, plasma can be uh, um, can be freeze and can be used later on in case that somebody requires it. I mean, obviously, we're, we're knocking on wood that uh, we don't suffer the same uh, situation that other places in the state and also in the world have gone to. But that, that would be something that would be uh, quite a, uh, useful, and I think people will feel very happy about doing that. You know, other than that, I think uh, we all need to um, keep a uh, social distancing. I know that uh, we're going to go to some opening of the uh, businesses and, and a little bit of a uh, relaxation of some of the measures. I think people need to keep thinking that uh, life is not going to come back the same way that we used to have it, especially for those um, uh, like myself, which love, love sports. I think we're going we're gonna to have to watch a lot of sports on TV and we're not going to be able to come to the arenas and the stadium that we, we, we love so much to, to attend and to see uh, sports in life. Well, Dr. Delgado, we can't thank you enough for coming on and, and talking with us and keeping our listeners informed. And first and foremost, we can't thank you enough. And the whole group, you referenced, you know, how many people are working up there. We can't thank them enough for all that they're doing. Thank you for coming on with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, I, I want to acknowledge of the work of uh, over 4,000 people that work at ARUP Laboratories, from the people that uh, help collecting the samples, from the people that helps keeping our facility clean and in good shape so we can keep the work, and to all the listeners that uh, trust ARUP as the laboratory that has been doing this for the state of Utah for the last 35 years. Thank you so much, and, 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 and again, thank you for having me in your program. Thank you very much, Doctor. We appreciate it. 
There you go. That's uh, Dr. Julio Delgado, Chief Medical Officer and Director of Labs for ARUP. And uh, Austin, uh, shout out to Austin. He's been working with folks at ARUP for a little while now trying to get uh, or, or really find the best time to get Dr. Delgado on. And now that some of this, their efforts toward the antibodies are becoming a little bit more available and a little bit more public, we thought that uh, today would be a good time to have him on and not only explain that to us, Gordon, which I thought he did very, very well. Uh, but also uh, talk about what they've been doing. I mean, from the very beginning of this pandemic, uh, you know, here in Utah, ARUP has been uh, at the forefront when it comes to testing, which, as we've talked about, Gordon, is is oh so important. And we're so proud of our partnership with ARUP and proud of what Dr. Delgado and the 4,000 people, Gordon, you heard him mention up there are doing. And I'm glad he mentioned right down to the folks keeping things safe and sanitary and, and able to test. I mean, uh, you know, he the the word heroic is is thrown around uh, too loosely sometimes, but but truly heroic what those folks are doing. No doubt about that. I found what he said about those uh, as far as the antibodies uh, testing and all that stuff goes. Uh, that there may have been some people who really had a what they thought was a bad flu. Yep. That maybe they should come in and and do that test to find out if if maybe they had it. Mm-hmm. And and didn't know they had it. Uh, that's that is that's kind of frightening and yet uh, interesting at the same time. Well, Gordon, I know, and it's been reported. Well, you can follow the antibody tests and some of their early findings. Uh, there's been some in in uh, San Francisco and L.A. and New York and and elsewhere. Um, and, and you can certainly follow those results. But one thing that happened that was interesting in California is they went back and looked at some autopsies from February. And I believe it was February 6th when they discovered they had their first fatality from uh, from COVID-19, which was basically a month before they thought. So I don't know why that would be really any different in our community. Not that it was here for a real long time, but uh, I think you can say likely here before we knew about it. And if we can go back and look at, at maybe who has antibodies for this thing, at very least, Gordon, we'll, we'll have a lot more information. And I think, as we've talked about a lot, that's really important. And he was, yeah, like I said, uh, he was uh, encouraging those who may have experienced something like that to come in and, and do the test. Uh, well, talk to their general practitioner. I think that's kind of how right. they're doing yeah, things. Go through the, yeah. the proper. <laughs> I don't think we want to say and send our, our listeners up to ARUP Labs, you know. Everybody who was hey. sick, go on in there. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, Gordon told me to come by. How's everybody doing? <laughs> yeah, I think we need a more educated opinion than uh, than you and I. I'm sure but. there's some proper channels, but that's really I think that's really terrific news. They're starting that antibody testing. I think, you know, as we start to see some results from that, Gordon, it could be really fascinating to just see just where we're at, it, you know, yeah. finding this thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people battling it, and I, I respect those who are who are doing what they can to uh, to slay this beast, or at least to uh, have it subside. And so I I have a lot of respect for those who are who are social distancing, like you were talking about, and those who are out on the front lines testing people and uh, treating people. And this is a scary one, man. This is this has been a real, a real test for society in general. And uh, I, I'm hopeful that in our community and in our state here, 
will be able to continue to press on and do what's necessary to 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 mitigate as much as we possibly can so that this thing will uh, be solved eventually. I think uh, what uh, Dr. Delgado was talking about at the very beginning of this, where they had, you know, the capacity to test more than they could because they didn't have, and I can't remember what word he used, but basically the the hardware, the elements, thank you, Austin, that they needed, and they could only test a couple hundred uh, Mm -hmm. a day. And you could hear in his voice how frustrating that that must have been to be limited in that way. And I actually think when books are written about this in the future, We'll look back at those first couple of weeks when we were not testing as many as we could and think like, oh, man, what would have been if we could have been more yeah. prepared in that capacity? And and that's just me editorializing there. But I thought you could really hear in his voice where he's saying, man, we, we could only test a couple of hundred. You could hear that frustration. And, and I really identified with that, man. I, I, I bet if you or me or Austin were in, in those shoes, we'd be feeling the same way. Like, God, we got we to gotta get more information on this thing and now it sounds like they've really got the ball rolling in the right direction but those those first few days slash weeks had to be just frustrating for uh you know medical providers everywhere well what's the first thing you're looking for you're looking for information right right and if you don't have the tools available to you to garner and and gather the information necessary then what are you supposed to do yeah Mm, tough but I, I, I am coming away from that. Uh, Gordon, you know me. I've, I've been doing my best to be optimistic through this thing. And I, I hear from uh, Dr. Delgado and uh, Dr. Dunn, who we had on a couple of weeks ago. And it does it does uh, give me personally encouragement that we've got some pretty far, <laughs> some pretty smart folks. What are you trying to say? <laughs> some pretty smart people. Who are at one smart fella? He felt smart. Are 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 at smart folks? Smart folks that that are are leading this effort. Hmm. I was trying to make a really serious point, and because I I can't not trip over my fart smokes coming to a vape room near you. I think we almost had a bulging (laughs) disc uh, moment there. That was that was close. Uh, thank you, by the way, for not deflecting or whatever, Gordon, by saying, "What? say that again. <laughs> yeah, next time I'll just try to smooth that through. Please Matt do. Harpering will not travel okay. with the team and had his MRI revealed degeneration of a joint in his spine uh, and a slightly bulging a disc in his back. Going to have Bowler on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, Gordon. That should be fun. Always is. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I wish we could I'm, fast I'm forward letting, from now you, to five o'clock. Can we no, just I'm skip? Just letting you hang out there for a little while. <laughs> we just skip the next forty We've minutes. We've got our promo and bring Gore. No, it's we been, don't have our promo. The show has gotten a little gaseous. <laughs> okay, you're the worst. All right, coming up next, we'll talk more about Gordon's column. Now I'm all flustered. We can get There's to whatever. There's a lot of hot air. I'll yeah, tell you we that. can get to whatever coming up next. I just want this segment to be over. And you know what? Dr. Delgado was awesome. We'll get that up at 1280thezone.com. If you only heard part of that or, or want a chance to, to hear it again, his information was just terrific. And again, here on The Big Show, we're trying to balance you know, being informative through this situation with also talking sports and having fun as well. So it was really important to us to get Dr. Delgado on. I'm glad we did. And we'll get that up online for everybody out there. And again, kudos to Austin because he's been working closely with ARUP at kind of the best time to have Dr. Delgado on. So appreciate your efforts there, Austin. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More smart folks. Will you help me find the right way?
This one goes out to Ashton, who wanted a little three days grace. Welcome on back. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Not sports. Port coming your way at 450. Bowler jumps on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Gordon, I do you want to do you want to go over some uh, not so good NBA news? Sure, yeah. But I've got I've got uh, the, there's a kind of a caveat I think. But let me uh, let me get this to you. Uh, Steve Kerr of the um, of the Golden State Warriors in, acknowledged that his team is operating as if the season is already over. Uh, Kerr said via a Zoom conference call, "It feels like the off season." And uh, talked about uh, with Bob Myers, the GM, he said, uh, quote, and in fact, we had a Zoom call, Bob Myers and I got on Zoom with our players, our whole roster last week, and it was just a chance to check in. But it was also a chance for Bob to update the players on his contract with the league and the latest news. But it also kind of felt like our annual team exit meeting. Our coaching staff and I have been undergoing staff evaluations, off-season plans. So we are absolutely in off-season uh, mode right now, unquote. Now that how, surpri- how surprising could that be, Jake? Well, I, I mean, see that makes more sense for the Warriors than the Jazz, though, because the Warriors, I mean, they're they're not going to the playoffs. That's true. So, I mean, even if something did kick back up, would the Warriors even be part of it? Probably not, right? No, I suppose they wouldn't. So, I would get why they would be operating like that more so than say a team that was still in the playoff picture. Yeah, and they don't have much to look forward to if it did like you were talking about. Uh, in a postseason situation, they would not be involved. Because so. even if they, so even if they did a couple of regular season games, wouldn't they do it between the teams that are involved in the postseason or were in the postseason race at very least? I mean, you know, because they're sorry, not going to have time to play the rest of the regular season. That I think that ship is is gone. I think they may have time to do some sort of playoff and maybe a little ramp up, but I can't see them mm. finishing out all eighty two games. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. The question is, how do you how do you finish it up, and what do you? <laughs> it, it gets complicated from a standpoint of if you were if you were interested in just having a postseason and even a truncated postseason, then do you go straight into that now, or do you need a couple of warm up games? See, I think they'd have to do a couple of warm up games, but what do you? I mean, you could call those exhibition games, right? These don't matter. There's a couple. That's. I think that's the easiest. The most cut and dry is just say, okay, we're going to pick it up at the playoffs. The teams that were in when this stopped are in. Those who are not, we're really sorry, but what do you want us to do? Play right. a couple of exhibitions and then get underway. After a training camp, I mean, they'd have to do something, right? They'd have right. to have a couple of weeks of training camp or whatever, a couple of game uh-huh. situations, and then jump right into it. I don't see the point in having the rest of the league play a few other regular season games. That just seems counterproductive. I agree with that. I agree with that. There's no reason. So you're, you know? if you're the Warriors, their season's probably over regardless. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is a pipe dream that they would have the playoffs. I don't know. But the Warriors certainly wouldn't be part of it. Indeed. And that's the point. <laughs> I mean, if they, yeah, I can see them having – and if they do have a postseason, I don't see them having a full postseason. It just – that doesn't seem likely. So what would they do? I don't know. Would they do a best-of-three series? Would they do? Would they ship the the playoff teams into one location and do it that way? All these things are on the table right now, and they're sorting through them. 
and, and waiting for more information, which is the point of the column I wrote at sltrib.com. The NBA has been really conscientious in trying to do this the right way. And they are they will build whatever model there is to build, if there is a model to build, based on the information they're getting from informed sources, scientists, and uh, researchers. That's what it'll come down to. And they have to deal with with other things as well, as far as where the teams can practice, where they can't practice. Uh, and that gets back to the centralized theory, whether teams would be willing to do that, I don't know. And by teams, I mean players. Well, I mean, merging segments a little bit in our uh, Dr. Delgado talking to us about the antibody tests. Uh, you know, those are really important because you got you figure out how dangerous it really is. I mean, yeah. that that really matters. You know, I mean, if if, you know, somebody gets it or if there is a, a mini outbreak from uh, the bubble or whatever, how dangerous is that really? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, all this information is is valuable to all these circumstances. But what I don't think is every NBA team is going to be back this year. I think that's I think that's over for teams like the Warriors. That's just not going to happen. So every team that was not in the top eight in their conference, they are absolutely done as far as you're concerned. Wait, say that again, Gordon. Gordon sorry, Austin was every uh, team that didn't every team that didn't qualify for the playoffs is is done. Yeah, I mean, do you see a scenario where maybe they would give teams like I don't know? I'm bringing up the standings right now. Who's right on the outside looking in no, in the West? You know, do you give a team so. like Portland, who's right now three and a half games back of Memphis for the eighth spot? Do you give them a chance? Probably not. No, I just don't think there's time and and a place for it. No. I, uh, and I'm guessing. I mean, no one has told me that. Uh, I think Chris Mannix said some similar things when we had him on, that it would be a, a shortened situation. Essentially, a, a tournament is really what it would come down to, right. if it, it's possible. Well, all. you know, one thing, if they're all in the same location, you could play back-to-backs a lot easier. So maybe you could get more games in in a shorter amount of time. But would you be more likely to do that or less likely to do that considering the condition of a lot of these athletes right now? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, you can't just throw these guys back out on the court like you said. It's going to take uh, uh, two or three weeks to get them ready to go again, especially if you're going to put them in a playoff situation where everything is intensified anyway, even though this year would definitely be different than most years. But I don't know how it would go. I have no idea. And uh, the last thing you want to do is have injuries because you're pressing too quick. Austin has some uh, breaking news for us in regards to a local somewhat sporting event. Yeah, this just coming across. All activities around the days of 47 will be canceled. Is what the breaking news is coming across there. That's too bad. I mean, the 47 days of rodeo will not be uh, held. Does this mean that are they talking about the celebration of Carl Malone's birthday? Yeah, no Carl Malone birthday this year. No Carl Malone birthday. So, well, we can still celebrate. It's just going to be different. Now, does this right exactly? Does I, it says the including the parade? Obviously. Now, what some are saying postponed, some are saying canceled, and I think there's a big difference between the two of those, isn't there? There but, are. But how do you postpone something that's centered around a specific date? Yeah, that's a good. Point. I mean, let's let's talk to Gordon about birthday celebrations here. But can you have the uh, the, uh, the the days of forty seven? You know, in September. No. Absolutely not. 
So the same birthday standard uh, applies here. But I call yes. bias here because Gordon hates the days of 47. He hates the pioneers. Wow, really? Not, not true. Seems not random. True. He hates that everyone dresses up in pioneer garb and goes uh, out and pretends that they're pioneers. Well, look, I once said something similar to that that was misconstrued. Verbatim. So I, 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 I have nothing <laughs> against the pioneers. Uh, they were a hardy folk. But <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I just never felt compelled to, you know, hitch up my britches and then uh, get the horses out with the carriage and throw some straw around and and uh, put on my uh, horse Cartwright hat. And can we can we talk about your weekend or whatever it was living that lifestyle? Which weekend was that? When Gordon went on uh, trek. Oh. <laughs> no, Where I you didn't, didn't hike a foot? Well, I guess I did. While everybody else was sweating it out in the sun, humping Not those true. hand carts around, you were uh, jumping into the car and driving to the next camp spot? No, the, fir- <laughs> the first day I did the-, the hike that was like six miles or something. But the second day, uh, when they did the heavy hiking up over the Rocky Ridge or whatever it's called, I... Uh, they needed someone to drive the car from the drop-off point, the cars, from the drop-off point to the pickup point. And and I didn't want anybody else to miss out on their opportunity <laughs> to experience what they were going to experience. So I, a number of us did the driving. I'm doing this for you? Is that how you phrased it? Yeah. This was going to hurt Don't worry, me a guys. lot more than it hurt Don't you. Don't worry, everyone. I'm happy to drive. <laughs> uh, so true. I'll save the day as usual. <laughs> Crisis averted. I'd be happy not to climb that mountain. Cragthorpe, you get out there on that distant trail. <laughs> that was about the funniest thing you could have said. All right, coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. Bowler joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I appreciate what it represents, but dressing up in that clothing and walking around with carts and and uh, jugs of milk. and uh, I'm just not into the whole pi- dressing up in uh, like uh, that Pioneer polygamous gear, whatever that is. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Report. We've got Craig Bowlerjack joining us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Not Sports Report brought to you by our friends at the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Gordon, where are we going today? Well, uh, I don't know where, whether she is in Russia proper, but there's a, there's a video out online about a Russian woman uh, talking about uh, is it TikTok or something? That's right. And uh, she's talking how she's fed up with modern men. And you know why? 
Before I tell you why, let me ask you this. Do you feel, Jake, less manly than you think men were 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years ago? Mm, define manly. Well, you define it. I enjoy a good rusty nail from time to time. <laughs> Austin, do you think we're less, quote unquote, manly than we used to be? Yes. 100,000% yes. Why? Because we have the internet and, and everything is a lot easier than it used to be. So we've gotten soft. Yeah, that's your word, not mine, but yeah. We're not out, we're not out gathering lumber for the fireplace. Not all of us. Some of us still have those uh, hard labor <laughs> jobs, not like you, me, and Jake. <laughs> yeah, there's some hardworking men out there. But this woman, and uh, we won't play the video because apparently there's some intemperate language in there, and we wouldn't want to offend anyone. But she says that uh, modern men have no idea how to, quote, kill, bear, or make fire. Now, most of us know how to build a fire, right? Do you? I was going to oh, say, yeah. what's, what's the recipe there, Gordo? Yeah, oh, we, without gasoline or, or, uh, or lighter fluid? <laughs> or the, uh, the, the pre-soaked logs at the gas station? Oh, yeah, none of those. You can, you can actually... No, build a fire on a campsite? Yes, I can do that. What do you Give start me, with? If, if I have matches, a little kindling in there. Who, who and... couldn't make a fire with a match? Well, what do you got? What I got? It, you literally <laughs> strike it, and there's fire. What are you talking about? What, what do you want me to do? You rub, didn't make that fire. The match company two, made you it. To make, you want me to rub two sticks together? It's like saying I can cook if there's a microwave around. <laughs> See, even with matches, I don't believe Gordon about the uh, campfire. Oh yes, I could. <laughs> no, I do not. Oh please, I have built many campfires through the years, but you have. I don't know how to kill a bear, nor would I want to. Well, nobody's I mean, accusing you of been overly manly either <laughs> well, nobody, did i did i point myself out as being particularly burly well no. you just said but, i don't i can build a fire but i can't kill a bear i mean meaning that you're comparing yourself to do this lady's standards yeah well i i fall short i think on the bear part but i i think a lot of guys i know a lot of guys who are who are fairly manly even they might be a little more What's the word? Gentrified than than men once were. But that doesn't mean we're less manly. Well, I'm still waiting for your definition of manly. I don't know. I think I think I'm, somebody's manly who knows how to treat other you know people around them. I think that's a manly trait. You don't have to necessarily that doesn't, uh, apply to females. Someone just take a selfie. Yeah. What are you taking pictures of there, Gordon? <laughs> what the. That was Lisa who did that. <laughs> they heard that, if you can believe that. Her, what is you she taking pictures? What is phone, she taking right? pictures of? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, do you think I'm manly? Wait, wait, wait. No, we want to know what the pictures Hold on here. are. Am no, I manly? no. My wife says I'm manly, even if I don't know how to kill a bear. Well, what is manly? How do you define manly? She says she doesn't know. <laughs> Taking selfies, very How manly. do you define manly? You just said treating other people uh, correctly, well, which is not is, a, a like single sex thing to do. No, no, but I don't think manly means that you you, you walk into the 
the cave and, you know, lean your club up against the wall and, and smash things, you know? Uh, you know, you don't have to... You don't have to do that. To be to be a man, you have to live in a cave. Even the Flintstones were a little more advanced there. I don't know. <laughs> My question I is: I live when, in a house, Gordon. When, when Fred Flintstone was banging on the door to get back in, why didn't he just crawl through the window? Have you seen him? And have you have you have you paused it and seen if his portly figure could fit through the porthole? Because he couldn't have. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a misnomer. I, I think men. There are some men who who may not function uh, the way this Russian woman wants them to uh, because she has a certain idea what a manly man is. But I I think taking care of your responsibilities and setting a good example for your family, taking care, providing for your kids. uh, I mean, that may not be the prototypical idea of what manly is because women can accomplish all those things too. Driving the SUV on the Pioneer track. <laughs> Driving in general, women aren't allowed to do that, right? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, nice. No, I'm just well, saying. I'm following your lead. May, You're defining maybe the manliness. Maybe the definition of being manly is different today than it was 100 years ago. <laughs> and I'm still waiting uh, for that definition. Well, I was trying to provide it. Being a responsible human being, taking care of your family, doing everything you can to provide opportunity for your kids. And being womanly would mean something else? Uh, well, no, I think, I think men, men and women can share certain traits. Right? <laughs> what was she taking a picture of, Gordon? What were you taking a picture of? Oh, uh, she took a picture of the two of us for a, to post a picture uh, celebrating our anniversary. In the middle of the segment? It is the well, not sports report. It is she the not sports she, report. No, she didn't all. take a picture of uh, She took a picture of it. She screenshotted something. Sounded like a picture to me. <laughs> she didn't mm-hmm. come over and, and stand next to me and take a picture of the two of us in the middle of the segment. No. Hmm. Do you want me to get her on? And no, 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 that's okay. No, that's fine. You're fine. I always like hearing from Lisa. We, oh, well, I'm happy to hear from Lisa. We, we're buying your explanation. I'm buying her explanation. I think there are a lot of manly men out there who take care of their, their they, they, they do good things for people around them in a way that I would consider manly and, and could also be considered womanly. I, I don't differentiate between that, but I don't do it. I don't define a man by how much hair he's got growing on him or, you know, how many trees he chopped down or if he has a pet cow named Blue. You are backing it up a little bit here, moving on back. And, and by the way, here's a, here's a quick uh, pop question. Actually, I have, a, I have a question for Lisa. Can, can you, is Lisa still there? Yeah, she's here. Tell me when she can uh, she can hear me. I've got a question for her. Oh, you want? Go ahead. I'll repeat it. No, no. Put her on. Put her on. Yeah, put her on. This uh, can can you do that? No, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, you're chasing her away. No, now this, she's leaving this, this the, isn't. Come here, ladies. Come here. It's come not on. gonna be bad. It's not gonna just, be. Just come here. No, no. He's not gonna. He's not gonna no, embarrass no, no. you. Just 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 come on over. Come. on. She's refusing. No, this is it's not gonna be embarrassing. It's a it's it's just a question about the current topic, about your story, in fact. <laughs>
go ahead. I'll relay the question to her, and I'll tell you what she says. I want to know who. Oh, let me. I'll ask Austin. How about this? And and you can relate uh, to Lisa. Austin, who would you have more confidence in their ability to kill a bear, Lisa or Gordon? One hundred times out of ninety-nine, Lisa. Lisa. Yeah, uh, like a thousand times out of a thousand. And I bet if you we guys, asked Lisa who no. she thought would be more likely to kill a bear out of you and Lisa, I bet you Lisa's saying Lisa. Jake is saying, uh, between the two of us, who would be more likely to be able to kill a bear? And they're all saying you would. There's a lot of things I would be able to do. She says that <laughs> there's a lot of things she'd be able to do, but she's never killed a bear. I Either have you. Let's say it this way. Which one of you would the CIA, CIA most like to recruit? Well, I, Lisa there, too. No, I'm saying if, if they were I camping. I, look, I, took, I took gun safety, and I took target practice when I was younger. Didn't pass I know, it, but I, I know, took it. I, I know how. Yes, I did. I know how to. I would know how to 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 hunt if I needed to. All right, to. Davy Crockett. Okay, if, if <laughs> Gordon, if the, the three of us, you, Lisa, and me, were camping, and someone forgot to put the food away or whatever, and a bear comes in in the middle of the night, and the three of us have to discuss who is most capable of going out and combating that bear, I'm taking Lisa. Oh, come on, Jake. Really? I'm taking Lisa. I'm handing her the Swiss Army knife, and I'm saying, <laughs> our lives are in your hands, You got Lisa. this, Lisa. <laughs> Go get them. You're shoving her out the door. No, I'm saying she's the most capable. Yogi. She would be the most capable. And when you get back, of being the, the freezer door is stuck. When you get back, if you wouldn't mind, who would be most likely to perform a heroic act and slay that bear and save us all? Lisa. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. She does oh. the yard work while Gordon just, I'm working in here. Yeah, I got a lot of right. columns to write. She, she's moving she did, all that mulch from the front the yard, yard to the backyard. She did that once, and I went out <laughs> and helped. After she moved it all? No. You helped spread, no. which is once not you, helping. What? What? <laughs> yeah, you waited till the wind picked up and it moved. Up, <laughs> oh, but done here. Hey, the dozen 50-pound bags of mulch are, from the, are already in the backyard. Maybe I ought to go help. Gosh, sure wish I didn't have to write that column I wrote three days ago. <laughs> you guys are you guys are distorting the truth here. Mm. But... <laughs> oh, that was bro. one of the funnier days on the show recently. <laughs> uh but anyway. you think you could be you would be better at killing a bear than Lisa? Uh yeah, I I do. I, I probably would be a better shot than she is. Shot. We're not talking about having a, a gun. We're talking about hand-to-hand <laughs> combat. Well, We're talking about who's going out, out there and, bear. and killing everybody, that bear. Everybody's dead if you're going to do that. Not Davy Crockett. <laughs> Killed himself a bear when he was only three. He was only three. <laughs> Davy. Yeah, that's called fiction. No, he was a, a <laughs> real-life <laughs> senator from Tennessee. He was a person. <laughs> He's got his own island at Disneyland, for crying out loud. He was at the Alamo. <laughs> You're besmirching an American hero. He was not fiction. <laughs> he didn't kill a bear when he was three. How do you know? Although, my dad told me that when I was a kid, I, I, and we were at Yellowstone Park. Speaking and of said, fiction. I, I tried to, to, uh, to give a bear my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> okay. And did it take it? Back to my point. My point is that a lot of guys these days 
They may not be the burliest types. They may not go out and wrestle a bear, but neither did Davy Crockett. That's just legend. But he only took are, on the entire Santa Ana army. They, <laughs> that's all. That's it. Yeah. You hey, do something, he Davey? only laid down his life for our country. That's all. <laughs> you ever been to the Alamo? No. It's a little bit disappointing. But uh, anyway, not a lot to do there. And I like history. <laughs> you want a roller coaster? What do you want at the Alamo, man? <laughs> Where's the corn dogs at this place? <laughs> Good point, Austin. It's not yeah, about what that. You, what are you looking for? I'm just saying that there are men out there who are fine men who don't necessarily kill bear. We're gonna know. we're we're gonna ask Bowler who would be more likely to kill a bear, you or Lisa. We'll get to that coming up next. What was that? Just spit. <laughs> what did you? We've just been do? over this. Are you chewing tobacco? Was that Jeez. was that into a spittoon? What was that? <laughs> You haven't been out in two months, but you managed to procure some red man? What's going on? Because that's what real men do, right? They, 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 they chew tobacco. But a gentleman waits till the commercial break. <laughs> Patooey. Easy, Gaston. What are you spitting? How could you possibly be spitting? Are you chewing sunflower so seeds? So that gross. was gross. <laughs> right there in the we're room. Go, we're going to break. <laughs> no, I have a cup here. <laughs> anyway. All right. Bowler is next. Stay <laughs> Let's go tuned. bear hunting. 97.5 <laughs> and 1280 The Zone. You know what I did over the weekend? Yard work. I don't no, you it. did I, not. I did. My wife brought in like 20 or 30 bags of soil, and I had to work on Saturday, you know, so I hurried up and finished my work, and I went out there, and I was doing yard work. I thought you had to crawl them done on Friday. Oh, did I? Did you tell Lisa you were working and you were really taking a nap or something? <laughs> I wasn't taking a nap. Just in there occasionally. <laughs> working hard. Very busy. Very busy in there working. Lots of interviews and stats and, and stuff. Yeah. I'll be right there. I'll be out there in an hour, honey. You're doing a good job.